The CEO's Compass is a story about getting you back on track. And it's so relevant to so many situations and moving to finish the book that's coming out later in 2021. And as I reflect upon the compass, compass point people, helping people find their greatest potential. They may have had amazing capability at one time. And then along the way, situations change, the environment changes, business changes, and they lose their confidence and they lose their ability to perform at their highest potential. Now stick with me, healthcare and the work that Rochelle Smith is providing for her clients, for people that have been amazingly successful in their life. And then Alzheimer's happens and they're no longer able to perform. The purposeful work that she does with her clients to be able to find a way through to remove barriers and limiting mindsets and get them to a point where they smile and are able to perform and be more fulfilled. That is truly the inspiration in this story. So think about it. Are you being held back? Do you see others that are held back? And have you or others found the key to opening up their potential? Let's listen to our conversation with Rochelle Smith. I mean, she came to our center and she enjoyed it. And, you know, you'd see she laughed. But when you kind of put her on the spot to ask a trivia question or, you know, something for her to recall something very specific, in the beginning, she was very hesitant and not confident at all. Now she's winning games all on her own. And she's very confident And the fluidity of her communication is really improved drastically. So Alzheimer's is a permanent, progressive, non-reversible condition. So there's really not a question about, you know, how things are progressing with her. But now that she's communicating, she has a comfort level, she's really opened up. And all of the skills that she currently has are being brought to bear and winning for her. It's just amazing, amazing. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners. I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast, where I get to speak to amazing leaders week after week and bring their insights to you. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And now, it is my honor to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Rochelle Smith. Rochelle founded the Daily Social Club in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The mission is to make innovative cognitive exercises and socialization accessible to seniors who are in danger of social isolation and loneliness. 
and initially offered to her Clarendon clients forced to stay at home, the Daily Social Club has since expanded to seniors throughout the tri-state area. And Rochelle began her career in the long-term care industry as COO of the Branch Book Senior Care Facility in 2004. And her primary focus was to strengthen the business operations of the residential health care business and create new initiatives to improve client experience. She is also a graduate of Princeton University, Columbia Business School, and lives in Jackson with her husband and two children. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Hi, Deborah. Thank you for having me today. So I can't wait for this conversation during our discovery call. And for our listeners, I'm just going to turn myself to my listeners. When I met Rochelle and kudos and shout out to my Kakuza who introduced us, she has an amazing story. She is an entrepreneur. She is innovative. She has pivotal leadership characteristics. And most importantly, she sees opportunities and she's a problem solver in service to others. So Rochelle, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself personally, your business journey, and the purposeful work that you're doing now. Uh, Sure, I'd love to do that. I started, as you mentioned, in 2004 with Branchbrook Park Manor, and that happens to be a family facility located in New Jersey. At the time, I was consulting in Silicon Alley in New York. So it was very fun, very exciting. But, you know, you can't turn your back on family. So there were a lot of business issues, documentation, communication, staffing that they needed my help with. So I did that really on a part-time basis. And as time went on, I spent more and more time and, of course, became more and more intimately aware of the issues that the long-term care industry was facing. So when my last assignment wrapped up, I decided to join the family business full-time and came on board as the COO. And after a couple of years, like two years, one thing that struck me the most was the quality of life of seniors. I mean, the facility did a great job of providing care, managing medication, getting appointments with the physicians and All of those things were taken care of, but the quality of life in terms of connecting with other people, sharing ideas, having fun, going out, that was very, very difficult. Family members were not able to come as frequently as they should. So at the time I I started a social adult day program with the current residents and It was a blast. We went to jazz concerts. We went to museums. We went to arboretums. We did arts and crafts, cooking. And the client base, the residents began to come out of their shells. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of reminiscing and share their lives and their ideas and their opinions. Um, Current events is a fantastic session at our program. So I decided to expand that experience beyond the confines of the facility. And I set up a freestanding facility in Livingston, New Jersey, and had been really interacting and helping with seniors with sort of replicating the feelings, the emotions, the responsibilities that they had when they were younger, 
you know, you have to get up, you've got to get dressed. What am I going to eat for breakfast? How am I going to get to the center? Oh, I wonder what, you know, my friend is going to wear today or how her daughter did on her interview. And so, you know, they got a life again, essentially, the ones very close to the ones that they had when they were younger. You know what I love about the story? So I, as the host, get the joy of listening to these stories, but then just picking up the connections. And if I could just reframe what I hear, and I think it's just so amazing, is the fact that you saw an opportunity that from a transaction perspective, the adult clients were being taken care of. I mean, first and foremost, we need to meet basic needs in order to at least sustain the human. But what you also saw was that We needed to connect with their emotions and their intellect because the combination of those two together start bringing forth the whole human and engage in society. I think it's a beautiful thing that you've done and bringing that forward into the adult socialization environment. Yeah, Deborah, you you got it exactly right. It's, you, you know, you can take care of the actual physical being. But what about those things that make humans human, you know, connecting with each other and caring with each other? You know, your expertise, again, is in the healthcare and we're industry, and we're going to continue to go there. But, you know, when I bring people like you onto this program, it's also about just making connections about relationships and business. Again, we can go to work each day and perform a job description, but until we start engaging with people, what makes them special, their gifts, their intellect, their stories, their rich past and culture. I talk about this in the book that I'm coming up. Then only then can you start build meaningful relationships leave a lasting impact and help people to live fulfilling lives, not just waking up and going to sleep day in and day out. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, if you can tap into the talent of each individual person and you've matched them with the appropriate position, you're going to have a good company, but you're going to have a great company when that person brings their special sauce to the mix, you know, their style, their objective viewpoint on any situation, any problem that needs to be solved. That's when you get the great company because they're now connected to it and they're going to put their all into it every day. So, you know, I see you close your eyes a little bit. You're very passionate as you're reflecting about the people you serve. But I, I'm curious here is that, again, in service to your clients, how have they impacted you? Because you talk about bringing it out, their intellect, their stories, their emotions. What is a story or a situation where because of the work that you do with them, you've been personally rewarded by the experience? I have to say I'm personally rewarded almost every day. I mean, when I first started, Deborah, I did everything. I I ran the groups. (laughs) I did the marketing. I did the, you know, I, I planned the meals, all of that. And so, you know, as time went on and I built out my team, I got farther away from actually doing sessions or group sessions with each of the clients. And now I get to do that much more frequently. And as a history major, I'm just so appreciative of hearing the real life day-to-day take on different historical events that have happened in the past. And these are, you know, people who lived through it, you know, and they have a very unique perspective that you're not going to read in any book or any newspaper 
This was, you know, were people on the ground. And that's really what I find very special for me because I love that. I love making that connection with them and and really hearing the real story. But if I were going to tell you about a specific story that really touched me, there was uh, one of our, my clients is a nurse. She had a very, very responsible position. She worked in a hospital. And so she was a floor nurse. She moved into management. And unfortunately, six years ago, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. So slowly, slowly, you know, her ability to connect with others, you know, kind of wore away. But then we started with the Daily Social Club and webinars. And the wonderful thing about it is that you see this person's face. You can see how they respond to the questions you ask. And, you know, you can sort of even see the processing. This person has gone from basically not communicating at all. I mean, she came to our center and she enjoyed it. And, you know, you'd see she laughed. But when you kind of put her on the spot, to ask a trivia question or, you know, something for her to recall something very specific. In the beginning, she was very hesitant and not confident at all. Now she's winning games all on her own and she's very confident and the fluidity of her communication is really improved drastically. So, you know, Alzheimer's is a permanent, progressive, non-reversible condition. So there's really not a question about, you know, how things are progressing with her. But now that she's communicating, she has a comfort level, she's really opened up. And all of the skills that she currently has are being brought to bear and winning for her. It's just an amazing, amazing thing to see. You know, the work that you do, again, it may be in the health industry, adult care industry, but it's so pertinent to simply being a leader of team members that come in with different confidence levels, different skills. You found a way to bring forth their ability to win, be able to contribute. And as you see, as the confidence builds, then their ability to impact and benefit, you know, the rest of the the group is truly the rewarding work. I love to do that when I go into organizations. But I'd love to switch to business a little bit. So you talked about some pivoting that you had to do. I would love to know what it was that the pandemic came, what was it that you needed to do to pivot your business? Because there certainly were were some opportunities and challenges to make it viable and still service your clients. So when COVID reared its ugly head in the, I'd say from mid-February to the beginning of March, I really thought that I would be able to keep the center open because we had PPE. I had a fantastic team that was working with me. And we normally clean very frequently given the nature of what we do and our client base. But when we had visitors coming in from outside who did not want to use hand sanitizer, at that point, masks weren't a thing yet. I said, you know what? There's no way that I'm going to be able to guarantee the safety. Not only that, in New Jersey, day centers, adult day centers were ground zero. That was where the first COVID case was identified in a day center. So we had our own special (laughs) executive order from Governor Murphy to say that we had to close. I, you know, I said, okay, let's close. I had these, after you work with people and our clients for so long, they become part of your family. And I just could not imagine putting their lives at risk or my staff's lives at risk. 
So we did. And then after a month, I would talk to them on the phone, you know, reach out to the family members and see how everyone was doing. And, you know, people had, they themselves had to pivot because this was a care option for them. And now they don't have one anymore. So when I, I said, we've got to do something like, why not Zoom? We'll get Zoom together. All of the family members happened to have been home at that point because we were on lockdown. And so they logged on their family members who were my former clients and we experimented. I experimented with different types of games, news stories, public interest things, current events, and saw what resonated with each of the clients. And I spoke to them about it and asked them what they liked the most. And so now we have the product that we have right now, which are, you know, basically cognitive games and also seeing the progress that each of them made of like, yes, this is exactly where we need to be. But the pivot was not just the service. I had to pivot everything, the way you market, the way you communicate, the way I managed my team and included them in this whole journey going forward. And it was an enormous task that you didn't see. It, It sort of mirrored COVID. It was a very big thing and you didn't see the small components or how those small components could impact the overall product that you were producing. So what I ended up doing was I broke it down into little pieces and communicated as much as I could with the family members. What are you responding to? Is this helping your needs? What can I do to change that? You know, obviously I spoke to the actual participants as well. I also spoke to my network and asked them, you know, is this something that you think that your, you know, other people in your network might benefit from? And they helped me to shape and mold this idea and also bring it to the market. It's really reaching out and it was a group effort, but you have to, it has to be a well-orchestrated group effort. And my personal philosophy is as an entrepreneur, that if you're going to be really good at what you do, you should have some level of experience in each of the different departments and each of the different roles that you're going to be managing just so that when something big like this happens, you can know what they have to do and what will and won't work just even on a top level, because a lot of decisions have to be made very, very quickly and you don't get a second chance. You know what I really love about that story? And we're going to come back into now some of the change management challenges, even though you had to orchestrate a lot of change very quickly, was the fact that, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't know enough about that, or I can't move into that role. But just knowing a little bit about all the different aspects of the business, the teams, etc., is powerful. And then like T's point, having a network of people that you can pull on if you're not sure, but truly an entrepreneur, you got to know about, and I'm figuring this out as well, I'm new to the game, is business development. What are the products and services you've got to offer? The finances, the money management, all of it. I'm never going to be an expert in all of it, but I need to do all of it just to be successful. So great message. And again, anybody can pivot. You just have to be really organized and move quick. But let's just talk about, though, the challenges. So obviously, you've orchestrated a new product and service in a totally new environment, but there are 
potentially challenges. And I, you know, you talked, you mentioned before about it's not just the client, but it's the caregiver. So talk to me a little bit about bringing them both into this new way of delivering your service and how supportive or how did that work? The family members of my client have been tremendously supportive. Again, this really was a blindsiding event to everyone. But imagine having to work full time. Now you're doing that remotely and you're caring for a loved one who may have some memory care issues and definitely some activities of daily living, we call them care issues. How do you manage that? You're not going to send them to any type of facility. I don't think at the time that they were even accepting new residents. Can you get somebody, a care person in there? And then when you do, there's still an element of social isolation. So they were thrilled when we got online for three days a week and they had something, you know, their family members had something to do and they could actually see their friends from the center and interact with them and talk to them. So they really, really valued that. And over time, through conversation, they told me what they liked and what they wanted to see in terms of program content. So we constantly incorporate that into our programming and they've been tremendously supportive. Absolutely. And do family members participate in these Zoom sessions? They do. They do. (laughs) So um, it depends on where you are, right? So the adult children, not so much. They're usually working at those times. It takes place in the middle of the day, but the spouses absolutely participate. And we have a really good time. So we are playing games, their PowerPoint programming and their games with a lot of the graphics and the sounds and the feedback. So I will go down a list because I want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity to answer a question. And so I include the family members and they have their guesses and, you know, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not right. Sometimes their spouse is right and they're not right. But also this is gives them an opportunity to give them a very good idea of what their spouse's capabilities are. I love it when they're shocked that their spouse got the question right, you know, without any prompting. But it also gives them an idea of when we're not online, what they can talk to their husband or wife about. When you're living with somebody who has Alzheimer's, it becomes very difficult to communicate with them. And it's very frustrating. But at least this is a time where there's not the pressure of providing hands-on care or you, it's just an enjoyable moment and that you can share with each other. That's an amazing story. Again, if nothing else, you're supporting the spouse or the significant other in this journey as well. So, I mean, this product and service you provide is expansive and has farther reach than just your clients. But let's think about maybe, you know, new potential clients, technology, who knows how long you have to be in a Zoom world until you can bring your clients back. Is there any barriers or resistance for technology for somebody that has some social cognitive issues? How has is, how's that worked? Or how would you address that? Yes, I can, I, there are barriers. And initially, when we started, we, you know, used a lot of the bells and whistles that were on the Zoom platform. We did polling. We did Q&A, you know, everything as much as we could. And then, you know, the family members could participate, but not everybody had someone sitting right beside them. So I changed. It's an opportunity to revisit 
the product and the service offering and make it as accessible as possible. So right now we've gotten to the point where someone does have to click that link, right? But when they do that and the person is on screen and they have their audio on, we can just flow freely and you don't have to have somebody sitting beside you. One of the most frequent questions I have asked for participants is, well, this is technology. This is, you know, Zoom. This is the internet. My family member either doesn't have a high-speed internet access or they don't have a computer or a smartphone or or a tablet or they wouldn't know how to interact with this. And I say, well, okay, the high-speed internet access and the tablet is probably something that, you know, it's easy to add on to any of your cell phone plans, but we really do make it accessible. So it's sort of like sitting in front of the television, except that you know all of the people on the screen and you can talk to them and they'll talk back to you in a real way. You know, I just love your, I guess, fortitude. Like, you know, you had to pivot, you had to change. And these are all barriers, but it just, you saw as an opportunity. And it sounds like you've got a great network around you and clients and family members that are willing to try and work with you in order to provide this offering. Amazing. So if somebody doesn't use your services right now, and I know there's probably many different options for people in terms of this kind of care for people with with these issues. What makes you different than the other that people might say, hmm, I want to connect with Rochelle and learn more? Because I've been doing this for so long and uh, I've been, I see a lot of the differences. One of the benefits of this new webinar service is if preventing social isolation, increasing socialization and, you know, just fun. But the most important element is cognitive exercise. And that is probably the most important element of this. And the programming for the Daily Social Club is really focused on cognitive exercise. You know, so I've had a lot of opportunity to do research on how people learn and why it's important to do these cognitive exercises. And a fascinating study I found was that People who had a lot of education and have been very, very active intellectually, learned a lot of languages, traveled a lot, very well read. When they passed away and there were autopsies done on their brains, the brain matter was almost identical to someone who was in late stage Alzheimer's, yet they didn't show any of the symptoms of having Alzheimer's. And, you know, you wonder why. It's because they built up a very strong cognitive reserve. So think of it as having a toolkit, a very, very vast toolkit, right? So you don't have a hammer. What do you have? You have a cudgel or, or something else. You, you can find different ways and your brain it becomes very adept if you have a large cognitive reserve of solving problems in different ways. And the way that you do that is through, you know, education, exercise, aerobic exercise is fantastic for it, and learning new things, constantly learning new things. There's also been research that people who participate in socialization two to three times a week can slow the progression of certain types of dementia. So that's what we have chosen to focus on. 
you can get webinars for seniors for free online. There are lots of them, but we really have made it or we're working more to make it more of a science. We use higher level learning, lower level learning, different types of cognitive skills. We really make an attempt to engage as much executive functioning as possible, all while making it fun. (laughs) So it's a challenge. And it's what's really interesting is that because when we were doing the pivot, we reached out and got constant feedback from everyone. That's how I identified that this was really what the service was, not just the socialization piece or the social isolation piece. It's really building a better brain or helping the brain that exists now become as strong as possible. You know, (laughs) this is amazing. It's very, very interesting, the research and the background and the differentiation that you can offer potential clients. And what I really like about this, again, I'm always trying to bridge the link also into leadership. And when we think about leadership and the people that we're servicing, again, a servant leader, not only leverages the skills on the team, but also builds them up. And some of the things you said of constantly challenging people to think differently, use their mind versus just react and do a transaction, educating, stimulating, exercising, finding different ways to connect with people to be able to get them to perform at their fullest potential. You're simply doing the same thing, your leadership, in order to elevate the people that you serve and get the best results out of them. It's it's amazing. I'm going to ask you one more question, though, about you're in business. This is an offer. This is a service. And you are so excited about what you have to offer. When people have to compare and think about making an investment in this particular service versus anything else. I mean, what do you find that makes you unique and this particular investment is worth it versus others? I think that family caregivers, and this is something I try to communicate with a lot, is that, you know, once you have a diagnosis of dementia, it's an expensive proposition. It really is. But what you have to focus on are the things that are going to keep your family member healthy for as long as possible. Because as long as they can stay at home, first of all, you'll save a fortune. The alternative care costs, facility costs, at least in New Jersey, which I can speak to, are very, very, very high. They're significant. So the longer that you can keep that family member home, it becomes you know, financially a better position for you. But also you can share that loved one and you can spend time with them during these months. And that's going to be absolutely invaluable. But I will say specifically, so this is what I do know. The two things that will definitely lead to long-term care facility placement are the inability to control certain physical requirements like a fall or you know, incontinence. And those are really the two, becoming incontinent and having a fall and breaking a bone. Usually in this population, it will be a hip or a leg that will lead to nursing home placement. And at that point, it becomes very, very expensive. If you work on cognitive skills and making sure that they are as strong as possible for as long as possible, those limitations are going to be held at bay. And so your family member will be able to stay home. So even though the Daily Social Club is more of an investment than it would be if you had reached out for a free alternative, 
we're working on strengthening those cognitive skills. And even two, three months, six months is a phenomenal amount of time, both to spend with your family member and to not have to tap into financial resources. So that's our competitive advantage, I believe. And that's the message that I love is that not only have you provided a product and service, so often I see businesses target something specific, but you have looked at all of the stakeholders who are potentially impacted by this and you provide a more holistic solution and the overall benefit emotionally, intellectually, and financially, when you look over the life cycle of having to provide this managed care is maybe less than the alternative of not making the investment. And so often businesses and people don't make the investment and then it becomes a significant expense down the road. Amazing, amazing interview. You know, I just, I love talking to interesting people, people who have done some amazing things in industries that I'm not familiar with. So I'm hoping my listeners have found this interesting. And Before we bring it to a close, any last thoughts or how people can connect with you and learn more about what you do? One of my last thoughts is, generally speaking, for people who find themselves in this situation, I mean, of course, COVID is like once every hundred years type situation, but you never know. Don't be afraid to take that jump and take that leap because you can turn it around and it is going to be hard, but you do have that phenomenal support system. And you can tap into it and really create something fantastic. It's scary, but it's it's definitely doable. I can be reached at, you know, you can send me an email. Love getting emails at Rochelle at dailysocialclub.com. You can visit me on LinkedIn and visit our Facebook page. And so we can, you know, get all sorts of new ideas and tips and tricks for providing care for seniors at home. All right. I am grateful for this interview. Again, shout out to Mike for introducing us. I do wish you continued success in servicing people that now and who you may know in the future. So have a, a fantastic day and thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you so much, Deb. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.